Welcome back to Life at Hobridge School, the podcast where we speak to pupils, to staff and to parents to find out what it's really like. In every episode, we'll be talking to members of the school community to hear real stories of life in the school. So let's get into this episode, looking at life at Hobridge School. So today we're talking to Indy Sheridan, a Hobridge alumni, or as some people might call you, a old Hobridgian. So, Indy, when did you leave a Hobridge, if you're happy to say that? 2005. Ah, okay. And have you been back to school many times since? I went back last year because they got me to do the uh, guest speaker talk at the prize giving. Mm -hmm. So that was a bit of a blast from the past. And what was it like being back at school? Do you know, I felt like I was going to get told off. Did you? (laughs) As soon as I walked in, I was like, saw the headmaster and I was like, oh, hello. Yes, I'm Boris. I'll behave. It's fine. Yeah, but no, it was good. It was just, uh, it's, yeah massive throwback i can imagine and were there many teachers who were there at the time when you were at school still around or did you see any other yeah it was funny actually because one of my english teachers it was her last day she was retiring that day oh my goodness and i was just like i saw her and i was like no you're not retiring she said well yes it has been like 20 years <laughs> it's like oh <laughs> gosh i mean it's funny isn't thinking about it so anyway i think what would be quite interesting for people to hear about is a little bit about why you were asked and what did you feel when you received the invitation to say, could you come back and be the prize giving speaker? Oh, it was, I I don't even know the full background and how it was done. I think uh, Mr. Lowry kind of looked into all of us and he'd sort of seen on my uh, social media at the time what I was doing. And then he approached me and he said, would you like to come and give a talk on what you do? And I was like, me? And he said, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> So I was I like, yeah, it. sure. I said, I'll come in and uh, have a chat and just talk to the kids about what I do. Mm-hmm. Okay. So probably people listening are thinking, what is it that Indy does? So Indy, do you want to tell us a little bit about what you're doing now and maybe a little bit like how you got there and you know what led you to what you're up to at the moment? Yeah. So um, I work in special effects in film. Uh, so you've got two different types of effects. You've got visual effects, which is CGI computers, which is people normally think that's what I do. But we actually do the other side, which is physical effects. So we make all the explosions, we do all the rain on set, all the wind, make objects fly, just kind of anything that you can physically see. That's what we do. My goodness. And uh, so how did you get into that? I mean, what what were the sort of the different steps? Because as I sort of listened to you there, I think, oh, wow, that's incredible. But I'm sort of thinking there are probably so many different skills that you need in order to do what you do. To be honest, I kind of blagged my way in. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, right. Well, we'll take it there. Okay, good. How did you blag your way? What what did you use? (laughs) I was working in advertising, uh, doing commercials. And then um, I kind of built some contacts in the film world and I said, oh, I really want to do special effects. And they said, oh, do you have any experience? And I was like, no. And I said, but find me a contact. And I I met with uh, my current boss who says, I need someone to coordinate it and do all the admin side. And luckily he was quite new at it as well um, from the boss perspective. So he didn't really know what he was looking for. And I was like, well... It sounds like you need someone that can do spreadsheets and organizing and this. And I showed him some bits of what I do. And I was like, so I can I can do that. And he said, well, do you understand effects in film? And I was like, sure. I've seen all the Harry Potters. I get it. <laughs> and it. he was like, OK, yeah, sure. And I said, you're just going to I said, you will want to hire me. You have to be a bit ballsy about it. Mm-hmm. And I said, trust me, you will want to hire me. He hired me and I was like, oh, my wow. OK, now I've actually got to do this. And yeah how it started gosh okay so what was it you were doing in advertising and how did you make the decision that special effects film was where you thought that actually that's going to be a better place to be 
it was very different in the advertising world because I was doing, um, I did a lot of the storyboards of what they wanted. So it was kind of advertising commercials for different businesses. Uh, so I would do things like get the storyboards, put together the running line of the day. Um, and there'd be things like getting the actors in, getting the location sorted, kind of tying it all together to sort of make it happen. But, and it's funny, I said this in my Hobridge uh, speech when people said, oh, what did you want to do when you grew up? And I said, honestly, all I wanted was to get into Hogwarts and do magic. And uh, somehow I found when I was kind of learning about special effects, I was like, that's kind of as close as you're going to get because we're the people that make the magic mm -hmm. on screen. And, and so had you met someone else who, was, who worked in the film industry or who worked in special effects that you suddenly thought like there you were doing advertising, you thought, actually, this is, I know this is where I want to go. How did you sort of think, this is my goal, that's what I want to get to? Was it that sense of getting magic or? That helped, but also both my brothers and my uncle work in it. So I was seeing what they were doing, but they're doing it from a slightly different angle. And I wanted to do it in the more of the managerial route. So yeah, they kind of put the put it in my head. And then when I learned about it more, and I was just like, yes, I want to do it. Okay. So there you were, you blagged your way in, you got to work for, and is this the same person you're working for now? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. I've been there, I've moved into special effects over in 2019 and yeah. he has unsuccessfully not been able to get rid of me. <laughs> Well, I'm sure that you're an excellent employee. So go on, um, Indy, tell us about something that you've uh, done recently, which was maybe quite challenging or something that you had to make happen, some magical event in the film. Do you know what? It's more pro probably wrangling the team of men that I look after. I get jobs where I'm put with maybe 80 or uh, the last project I had a crew of 120 people that yeah, that was a challenge. I kind of, uh, some people end up turning to me as the office mum. And um, that was just, even I was tearing my hair out. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, it's more just looking after the guys um, is the main challenge. So what are some of the skills that you have to employ on a daily basis? Lots of multitasking. So it'll be things like, a, a lot of my job is based on literally just request in a second so uh, we'll get a script through we'll get a shooting schedule through and then someone will phone and say oh can you actually quickly set this on fire over there and then I have to suddenly scrape around and go right we need to get this pyro in this explosive in need to get this health and safety in, this crew in and it's kind of sometimes you'll know what you're doing what you need to plan but a lot of my day is dealing with the really spontaneous requests. And is that spontaneous because people haven't thought about it beforehand or because plans change? It's just how it works in the industry. As soon as they, it's normally directors, they'll start shooting something and then they'll go, well, do you know what? I want something like this to happen. Can you just quickly go do that? Can you set this on fire? Can you make this happen? So it's, it's yeah, it's, it's the norm. Are there many other women in your position in the industry? I mean, what is that like for you? In my actual title, there's only two of us in the country that are women that do the role. And... Do you know what? It doesn't bother me because I grew up with brothers. I've been surrounded in a very male orientated background. So for, I kind of walked into it being like, this is just normal for me. So it's something you don't even think about. OK, <laughs> and what, what advice would you give? So if you're thinking about other young people who want to get into that industry or into, into the type of thing that you do, what would you say that they should do to prepare or perhaps that they should think about? I would say definitely try and get some work experience. You can get a lot of great apprenticeships. But I mean, when I started, there weren't many film apprenticeships around, but I know there's um, 
Warner Bros uh, over in Watford. Do they do apprenticeship programs? And then you've got, you can do college and you can now study things like film and television. There's so many different angles you can go to learning about it. So a lot of guys can go study engineering, carpentry. It's such a different skill set and it's you can just kind of do one of them. Yeah, so, okay, and there are a lot of options of that. So just thinking back to your time at Hobridge, what type of things did you get involved in? What were your sort of some of your favourite subjects or your extracurricular activities that you took part in? Sure, honestly, I was not a model student. I was <laughs> not, I, I wasn't a bookworm. I, I struggled with lessons. It just, school was just, it was not my thing. I loved, I loved my experiences there, but it was more the kind of, Things like the summer uh, activities we had there um, and like the BMX club and all all those bits and just being with my friends. But uh, when it came to lessons, I don't remember favoritizing anything. <laughs> <laughs> so there's nothing that sits at the top of the pile. So you mentioned about BMX club. So are you a person who's always sort of driven by outdoors or doing things? What, what do you think are some of your main motivators? Yeah, I was definitely, I was very outdoorsy at school. And I think that kind of helped with my job now because a lot of it can be very outdoorsy. Like they'll send us up a mountain in Wales and you will just walk for hours and hours on end. And we do a lot of heavy lifting like in kit. And yeah, I think a lot of things at school definitely prepared me for that kind of stuff because we did get the opportunity to do a lot of outdoorsy bits and bobs. Can you remember any of the activities or expeditions you went on? When you, were, when you were at Hobridge? Yeah, no, I, all I remember is just hobbies. I just remember loving doing hobbies. And that was it. We had our, I think we had hobbies on a, a Wednesday afternoon and it was like two hours and you just got to pick a, a fun hobby. And I just remember it was always BMX for me, getting out on the bike and just going into the woods with my friends. Amazing. And uh, what, do you, what do you think makes Hobridge such a great school? I mean, I know you mentioned that lessons weren't necessarily something that you loved and we all have different um, experiences but you sort of said about the school itself what what was it about the school generally or the community that you thought was great it's not a massive school it was very you know, like the classes were quite small so you kind of had closer friendships you wouldn't um like as opposed to when I went to college there'd be people in your year who'd be like I've never seen you before and they'd be like been here with you for two years <laughs> but Hobridge you just it was just like a little nice close-knit community and I just remember getting on with all the teachers as well. Just It was just that it was just a really friendly, nice atmosphere. Hopebridge does have that reputation and particularly today it's still that type of school. So before we sort of say farewell, Indy, can you tell us any, of, uh, you're allowed to talk about any of the films that you've actually been on, which we might have heard. Maybe some of the pupils have heard of today. You mentioned your inspiration was originally Harry Potter and Hogwarts. <laughs> um some of the things you've done and just tell us a little bit about um some of the special effects you've had to create for them yeah so um the previous things i worked on i uh, i did done a superhero movie so i did the second venom which is a um for a lot of the kids they'll know that is the spider-man kind of nemesis and that we had to do a lot of because you're dealing with a cgi monster so we had to kind of make a lot of the things that he would pick up around the world move so we'd make a cooker set alight or we'd make a door magically open and then when you watch the film you see the tentacles interacting with that and uh, i remember there was one bit where he lifts these cars in the air and we had to build this big roller coaster track where we had a car going in the air and obviously you cut that out and you just see the tentacle lifting up the car um so venom was amazing that was I had the best time on that one. And then um, 
the next one I did a Band of Brothers follow-up, which probably a lot of the older generations would have remembered those series, but it was very military-based, and that we rebuilt these entire warplanes, and we had them on this big machine, and we used to make them shake and move so it would look like the inside was flying and had turbulence, and we'd create a lot of bullet hits so you'd see all the bullets go through the plane. So that was completely different to Venom, but it was also just mental and how how big are each of these planes are they sort of like um, life-size oh they're life-size okay and then you've got to sort of make them do all of those things mm. and that gosh yeah so and where do you where does all, all this take place because it feels like this needs a lot of space and huge amount of resources yeah so it's normally based at um whatever studios we're assigned to and they will normally have a, either a big sort of test track or you might go and hire a local airfield uh, and do all your setups there but it's normally a studio will hire a massive massive track of some sort and then you would build around it then yeah and now i'm sort of beginning to start my mind started thinking about like the sort of the diy aspect of like you know go so you need paint or you're making different things thinking gosh the resources you must need must be sort of extraordinary like sort of full of barns full of stuff we have entire warehouses with all our kit and then a lot of it you will you will get hired in or purchased in during the film and then it will come in and you will put it together gosh amazing okay so i interrupted you i think you told us about two films give us one more uh there was the last one i did which was the witcher which is on netflix and that that again was amazing that took us to lots of different locations and it was just things like they took us to morocco and we had to make it rain in the desert <laughs> How does one do that? You have a crane with this massive, it's called a rain rig. So you have a crane and you have all this uh, piping with little holes in, connect your water and then you adjust the nozzles and have different types of rain. Oh, right. So it's basically like the largest shower in the world. Literally, yeah. <laughs> Which we were all using in between takes because we were there in 40 degree heat. Oh my goodness. Are you currently working on anything at the moment? I am currently working on something, but I cannot say the name. I am then moving on to something else incredibly exciting, which again, I cannot say, but it involves cars and racing and going around all the racetracks across the world. So it's going to take me to Vegas, Mexico, Monaco. People probably listening to this who will know, they'll go, I can have a hint what I, they will probably suss what kind of thing it is. But I just cannot physically say. Right. <laughs> we will not twist your arm or we will not break any confidences. <laughs> but if anyone has got it, they are welcome to write into the school and uh, Indy will confirm maybe in uh, eight or ten months time when perhaps it has uh, taken place. Indy, it's a real pleasure speaking today and thank you so much for coming back and speaking at Prize Giving. Um, and we wish you all the best with what you're going to do next. Um, and it's been a real pleasure to actually find out a little bit more about you know, what is actually involved in? I mean, I think it's probably an area that not many people even think about. No, and you know what? People watch a lot of things where they will have no idea that is a special effect. They will, like, especially with the magic things, you just, it is, well, even when I went in it, I was like, oh, we just make fires. And everyone's like, no. <laughs> yes, as I say, it does sound like there's probably an element of danger as well. I mean, is that part of your job having to, um, sorry, this is my putting my uh, health and safety hat on. <laughs> But are there elements where you also have to think about the wider implications or even, yeah? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I've probably on a every other day I will be handling live explosives. So that's, um, it is a dangerous job, but we, we are all kind of trained on how to deal with it all. But um, yeah. It just uh, makes it more exciting. <laughs> it, it does, it does. Yeah, well, actually, that's true. And training is obviously very important. Well, thank you, Indy. Um, been a pleasure to speak to you today. Thank you.
That's it for this episode. To find out more, check out the school website, hobridgeschool.co.uk. Now, the next episode is coming out soon. But in the meantime, thank you for listening to this one. Don't forget to follow or subscribe so you can stay in touch. And we look forward to seeing you next time. Bye for now.